good morning again. If you would, let's open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to be in verses 44 through 52. And while you're turning there, if you're just now tuning in, uh, we're thankful that you are uh, joining with us in worship. Uh, And if you are a guest or you've never reached out to us before, if there's any way that we can be serving you or coming alongside you, we ask that you go to oakparkbaptist.com slash connect card, fill out that form and and someone, uh, one of the pastors or the other staff members would be happy to, to reach out to you this week and see how we can come alongside you. Well, I hope by now you've been able to find uh, Matthew chapter 13 and, and, and get yourself to verse 44. And I'm going to begin reading uh, Jesus' parable of the hidden treasure. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore, sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. If you ever found treasure, if you ever found something, maybe in your backyard or been searching for something, and, and you found it and it brought you great joy, as I was thinking about this text, my mind and uh, was going to my childhood. Uh, growing up, I often would go to my grandmother's, and uh, and I remember in the backyard she had a big garage, and in that garage it was full, at least to me, of treasure. Uh, that garage had a, a small fishing boat that I could get in, and it was full of tackle. She also had a, a work area. Uh, there were hammers, lots of different knives, saws. Uh, she had plenty of wood, chain, and rope. And, and I remember as a kid making nunchucks and other sorts of, of weapons that I was going to go play with, uh, build, find supplies to build tree houses. Not only did she have that, but she had traps of various sorts. Not just mouse traps, but big traps. Traps to find raccoons and, and catch them and squirrels. She had a garden and she was always trying to keep things out. And so I would love to set the traps. And so as a young boy, this was a treasure trove. And every time I'd go, there was always something new to discover. Maybe you can think back in your life and and remember times of exploration, maybe as a young child, but maybe even recently you have found things that have brought you joy. But the question I want to ask you this morning is, have you ever found something that produced so much joy that you would be willing to sell all you have in order to obtain it. Well, this is what Jesus says the kingdom of God 
is like, the kingdom of heaven. He says that those who find the treasure of the kingdom, they will be so overwhelmed with joy, they will perceive its immeasurable worth that they would gladly go sell all their possessions in order to obtain it. In fact, they would think it foolish not to do so. Now, do you identify with that parable at all? Is that how you would describe your encounter with Jesus or even your walk with Jesus now? Maybe when you first came to Christ, maybe you you did experience an overwhelming joy and, and gladness and excitement that produced in you a motivation to pursue spiritual things maybe at all costs. Maybe you remember growing up as a, as a new Christian, and maybe you are one now, and you, you can't get enough sermons. You can't get enough Bible reading. You, you want to read the next book. But maybe you found, as you've walked with Christ a little longer, that, that maybe the excitement just isn't as rich as it once seemed to be. Maybe that insatiable appetite is, is no longer as strong. Have you, have you found your joy maybe to be lacking, maybe to be waning? Have you, have you wondered, what, what has happened? Why, why do I not desire the things of God like I once did? Or, or maybe you look at someone else and, you, and perhaps you're, you're saying, well, I, I don't seem to desire the things of God like them. Well, if you've been a Christian long enough, you know there are, there are seasons in the Christian life. There are seasons of, of great joy, and then there are seasons where there can be great sorrow. There can be valleys, there can be heights. Sometimes you feel as if the wind is beneath your wings, and other times you feel as if you're running against the wind. And so the question for us that I think this text presents for, to us is, is how do we find the joy of the kingdom, a joy like that, a joy that I, I want that more than anything. How do we find that joy and not only find it, but keep it? How do we find the joy of the kingdom and keep it? Well, really the answer has been before us all along as we've been going through the parables of the kingdom. And this is one of the disadvantages of, of, of taking uh, at least preaching section by section, we, you know, we've been looking at this over the, the course of three weeks, and, and it's easy to forget where we have come from, or if you missed a week, you, you haven't heard these things, but I encourage you to maybe read chapter 13 all together uh, sometime this week and, and be thinking about the parables and everything that we have learned. But really the answer to finding the joy and keeping that joy has been, has been hinted at us and put before us numerous places. After each parable, what what happens? The disciples come to Jesus. They come to Jesus. You see in verse 10, then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? They're asking explanation. You jump to verse 36, then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable. Do you see that? They come to Jesus. They come to Jesus. They're they're seeking explanation. And even this happens in our 
text this morning. In verse 51, now Jesus and the disciples appear to be alone together, and Jesus now asks them a question. Have you understood all these things? And they say to him, yes. Yes, we have understood. And Jesus then begins to conclude this section by by calling them to be like scribes. What are scribes? They're, they're teachers of the law. They're, they're scholars in a sense. He, 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 he says, you are to be like scribes, scholars, teachers who have been trained, well-trained in the school of the kingdom. And so what Jesus is teaching us throughout the parables and, and really comes to a spearhead here in verses 51 and 52 is that the joy of the kingdom is found and kept through continual discipleship under the king. We are to become scholars, if you will, under under his tutelage. We must continually sit at his feet and have ears to hear, ears to listen to his word. For only then does Jesus liken us to a master who have, of great wealth, who has a house full of treasures that we are able to bring out and share with others. See, the joy of the kingdom is not something you find and say, I got that, and you move on. No, the joy of the kingdom is something that we find as we'll see in this text, but continually seek after. That we find and we fight for. That we find and we lay hold of. And this occurs as we live and abide in the living words of Christ. The joy of the treasure is found in the words of Christ. It's coming like the disciples and saying, explain these things to me. Show me your glory. And so this morning, what I want to press upon us, this is, this is my heart for not only myself, but for you. No matter where you are, whether you're, you're just tuning in today because you saw a link on Facebook and you clicked it, and you're, what's this church about? Or whether you've been following Jesus for years, I want to invite you to seek Jesus. I want to invite you to enroll in the school of Christ, to enroll to become a scribe of his kingdom. I want us to renew, if you've been a Christian, our commitment as disciples of the king, to sit at his feet so that we may perceive the invaluable, incomparable worth of the kingdom and enjoy him forever. To enjoy his riches. And such kingdom joy, as we're going to see, is found by seeking the kingdom, by responding to the kingdom, and by treasuring the kingdom. We want to seek the kingdom, first of all. And I want you to notice, as as we look in the the first initial parables, they're they're very similar. There's hidden treasure and there's a, a, a valuable pearl. But what I want you to notice initially about both of these parables is that they involve seeking. They involve seeking. The first one implies it where the second one is more explicit, where you have this jeweler, a merchant, who's been searching perhaps for his whole life looking for the finest of pearls, looking for treasure. And then he finds the one he's been looking for. 
But this is implied in the first one as well. Treasure is, is not found by accident. You have to dig for it. I, I can think of times on um, going to the beach with my family and, and seeing people with their metal detectors looking for treasure. You, you have to kind of find it. Yes, you might stumble upon it accidentally, but the good stuff you actually got to go search for. Perhaps you have to get a boat and you're going to go dive and you're going to look and, and find wrecks and you're going to explore. Just the thought of treasure hunting just gets me a little bit excited. But it's a wonderful picture, isn't it? That treasure is found with great diligence, purpose, seeking, careful looking. And this reminds me of Jeremiah 29, 11 and the verses that accompany it. You, you've probably heard this verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, the Lord says. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and, and come and pray to me and I will hear you. And, and we usually stop there. But the rest of the verse says this. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. To find Jesus, you must seek him. And the par parables have been telling us that. They've been inviting us. And, and Jesus has said that a couple of times, he who has ears, let him hear. Let him come. And we see the disciples, they do that. They have ears to hear, but they need explanation. They need to understand. They are enticed. They want to know Jesus, and so they come to Him. And so the question before us is then, how do we seek Him? How do we do this? How do we go treasure hunting for Jesus? How do we go search for costly pearls? How do we come to Jesus? Well, we seek Him in His Word just like the disciples who came to him and sought insight in verse 10 and verse 36. What were they doing? They were sitting and listening to the words of Jesus, words that we now have recorded for us, and we too can now sit. We can be flies on the wall listening to Jesus unearth the treasures of the kingdom. This is how we seek him. Because the way in which God reveals himself in this Genesis 3 world, meaning we are in a fallen world, the way He reveals is through His Word, His written Word, His spoken Word. I'm particularly reminded of, of 1 Samuel 3.21, which says, And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel. Wouldn't you love that to occur? Wouldn't you love uh, that the Lord would appear again to you? Not in Shiloh, but maybe your address, your home, your bedroom, your, 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 your place, the coffee shop, wherever. You just want Him to appear, reveal Himself. Oh, how easy it would be to follow and treasure Him then. But I didn't finish the rest of the verse. Because here's the good news for us is that the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the Word of the Lord. Many of us are looking for signs and wonders. Looking for some sign in the sky. Some, something to show us that Jesus, you're there, but we will not plunge the depths of the treasures that have been before us. We won't mine. 
we won't pick up the tools of opening up the, of, of the field and the fruits of God's word where he says, I will reveal myself to you. I have made myself known to you in my word. And so what's the point that I want us to grasp? Our joy, if you look in this text, where does the joy come from? The joy comes in finding the treasure, right? Well, the joy comes in finding the pearl. What is Jesus trying to teach us? Our joy comes from seeing Jesus. He is the treasure. He is the pearl. Our joy is found when we can behold Him. But we can only see Jesus if we hear Him. See, here's the mystery of the kingdom. You see by hearing. Let him who has ears let him hear, Jesus says. We see by hearing, and we can only hear him if we seek him in his word. So what does that practically look like? Well, first of all, seeking is going to require some effort. And one of the areas that we need to begin with is confession. Confession of our sin of I haven't sought you where you told me you would be found. I haven't sought you there. Perhaps you look at your life and you say, I, I have little desire for the things of God. I have little desire to open up the Scriptures. I, I do not find them as, as honey to, uh, to my taste and, and, and finer than much gold. And so where do you begin? You begin by confessing that to the Lord. Lord, I, I don't desire you like I know I should. I don't find your word to be a treasure. It, it is just sand right now. I don't see. And you confess that to him. You confess how easily you are enticed by lesser treasures. And this prayer can be true for even you who, who might have some sort of regular time in the Word. Because I, I know, and as, as a preacher and one who studies the Word of God weekly to prepare, I can tell you that my heart is easily tugged to other things. There, there are things that, that I can find myself more enticed by. But I will tell you, and, and those of you who have tasted in the Scriptures, the goodness of the Word, the, the pure milk of the Word, you know that it is good and it is better than anything this world has to offer. But yet the strange reality is that we walk away and we forget. We forget and we have to confess that. We have to confess that we're fighting to make time and, and it shouldn't be a fight. So first is confess. That's the starting point of seeking. You confess this to the Lord, but you don't stop there. That's where we often are. Oh, Lord, forgive me of what I've done, and then we just move on. But no, how does faith work? Faith is, looks like beginning to read your Bible even when you don't feel like it. You begin to trust Him. Lord, I confess I do not desire, so I am going to trust what I know. I heard a sermon today. Just now I watched one and, and I was promised that there is treasure here. I don't see it. But I'm going to start digging. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust that I might have to dig and dig and dig before I develop an appetite for it. 
going to trust. That's, that's, that's the beginnings of faith. That's exercising that muscle of faith, of hoping for that which we do not yet see. And so where do you begin? Well, you might just start here. Just read Matthew 13. Or maybe, maybe that's not enough. Maybe you're more enticed. Just start reading Matthew's gospel. One of the things I've, I've encouraged some people to do I said, hey, you don't know where to start? Well, here's what you can do. Whatever passage I preached on that week, you just read it every day until the next Sunday, and then you'll get your next assignment. And here's the good news. I'm I'm trying to do some of the heavy working for you, heavy lifting, and I'm going to unpack that. And you can kind of read it over and over and over again, and you've got a reference point of the sermon to, to maybe help you understand. That might be helpful for you. Or maybe you just say, I'm going to start reading the Gospels. I'm I, I just going to read the Gospels. Or, or maybe you expand and you, you want to read the New Testament. Or you expand and you want to read the whole Bible. You can start anywhere. But start. Start digging. And then third, prayerfully seek understanding. Confess. Then begin reading by faith. And then third, pray. Pray. Seeking understanding. The scriptures tell us that, that the truths of the scripture can only be discerned with spiritual eyes and spiritual ears and, and a soft heart. In other words, we need the aid of the Holy Spirit to illumine, to, to in, in essence, flip on the light so that we can, can see. We must have the Holy Spirit open up our eyes to see and understand the scripture. We cannot do it on our own. And so just as the disciples came and they asked Jesus, show us what these things mean. You must fight and struggle. Your, your shovel, if you will, to dig deep into the Word is, is, is getting on your knees and praying. Lord, show me. Show me what I'm supposed to see here. And I'm going to keep reading and rereading and pondering and meditating and memorizing and chewing. And I'm going to keep digging. But I am begging you to open up my eyes. To behold wonderful things from your word. And it's in this way that a person finds treasure buried under the ground. It's in this way that you will be like a jeweler searching for the finest of pearls. And here's what I want you to understand. The joy of the kingdom is not something you can kind of produce in yourself. It's not something that you can kind of flip on a switch. Wouldn't that be nice? It's not something that you can kind of conjure up in yourself. No, the, the joy of the kingdom is actually a gift when you find the treasure. The joy is, is found, it is given, it is dispensed to us when we see Jesus. Show me Jesus in this text. You're here. All Scripture points to you. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is profitable for me. Help me see. Help me obtain. Help me tap in. Help me mine the riches of your Word. And as I do so, oh, you begin to receive the joy of the kingdom when you hear. And so for this reason, just as Jeremiah says, we must seek Him with all our heart. I want you, Jesus. And I'm coming to where you may be found. 
And so when you see Him in His Word, your heart, and, and you, some of you have experienced that before, you have found just a sweetness, maybe in your personal time in the Word, but, but maybe, I hope this has happened, sitting under the preaching of your Word, oh, your, your heart began to, to, to burn within you. You began to, to leap for joy as the Word was expounded to you, and and, and it was as if the Lord was speaking right to you and showing you Christ. Your heart leaps for joy. And now what? That joy, as we're going to see, propels you to seek Him all the more. He's not a one-time shop. Okay, I got the joy, now I leave. No, no, this joy is now the motivation. It is the fuel, it is the flame, it is the rocket that begins to propel you forward. Propel you forward to continue to seek Him all the more and respond to His kingdom. And so when we come here now to the response of the kingdom, we see from this parable a very freeing principle. Something that, that is, diff- is simple to understand, but yet difficult to put into practice, but yet is, is absolutely life-changing. And the principle is this, joy produces obedience. Parents, we have to know this. We have to know this for our own heart. Uh, pastors and, and leaders in the church, those who are trying to help, joy produces obedience. Paul says it this way to the Romans, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. There it is again, the rocket, the fuel, the engine of obedience is joy. It's kindness. It's not wrath. And so notice here in verse 44, what propels the man who finds the treasure to sell all his possessions? It's in his joy that he does that. It's out of his joy that propels him to do that. And presumably that's the same reason for the merchant. I mean, even though he doesn't say it, he's got to have been joyful. This was the thing that he'd been looking for. It exceeded his expectations. He'd been looking for fine jewels, fine pearls, but he found one pearl that that exceeded them all. Oh my word, I've never seen anything like this. I'm going to sell my whole collection just to get that one. Do you see how the joy... It makes all the things of this world grow strangely dim. He finds what he's looking for, and so it's out of the joy of finding the treasure, the costly pearl, that they both respond in selling all that they have in order to obtain it. Now, now you might be getting a little nervous here. What is Jesus trying to tell me to do? Is truly following Jesus means I've got to liquidate my assets and in order to somehow obtain him? Not exactly. Here's what Jesus is getting at. When we find Jesus in his word, when we fellowship, when we commune, when we taste and see that he's good, when we find him in his word, the joy of finding him will produce a willful obedience to forsake anything that keeps us from it. That's what it'll do. Oh, I want you, Jesus. And it just continues to fuel it. And you will find the worthless things of your life, oh, they they begin to really flee. Even the things that aren't necessarily sinful. You just find that the more you're enticed by Jesus, the less you're enticed by the world. 
It will happen. And so it's this willful obedience that comes. It's not a drudgery. Now, I know I mentioned earlier, maybe you don't have a desire for these things, and so there's a, there's a starting point for that seeking. There's some heavy lifting maybe to be done and confessing and hard work of soul searching and, and, and doing that. But then you find, oh, that his burden is light. Oh, his, his yoke is not heavy. We want to put it upon us. It looks heavy, but actually once I put it on, huh, it, it is light. And oh, I want to come to him and I find rest. That's what he's teaching us here. And so, this, brothers and sisters, is actually how we persevere in the faith. This is how we fight sin in our life. We find the joy of Christ, which propels us to willful obedience. Now, here's something I do want to say just to kind of caution us, that we could look at this text and in and, and, and kind of isolation from the rest of Jesus' teaching, and maybe come to the conclusion that, okay, if I truly find Jesus, fighting sin is just going to be miraculously easy. Fighting the temptation of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, oh, that's never going to be a problem if I can just bury my head in the Bible. Well, the Scriptures don't teach that, nor does our experience teach us that either. Jesus is not teaching that if you find Him... Your joy will overwhelm you so much that it's just life is easy. Denial of self, taking up your cross, it's all easy. That's, that's not what he is saying. The parable, rather, is teaching us this. That to persistently pursue Jesus, he is where the joy is found. And it is reminding us and laying hold of him and, and constantly going back to him and drawing from that well of, uh, of life that enables us to deny ourselves that enables us to take up our cross, that enables us to, to fight those battles. No, 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 my, my treasure's in heaven. It is not on earth. It is by which this joy that we have tasted, what we have seen, that we begin to counter the false lies, uh, or the, the lies of this world, the false promises of this world, and counter them with the, the promises and the truth of the kingdom. And so this ex parable explains... There's actually depths to this. This, is, this parable explains, on the one hand, what it was like to first come to Christ, wasn't it? Oh, that joy that filled your life. But it also teaches us how we continually experience Christ and renew. This is why we preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again. We come back. This is why we have weekly services because, you know what, our hearts will drift. It doesn't take them long. And the Lord knows that we need another day of rest. We need a day of rest to hear His Word, to refresh us, to, 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 to pour the love of Christ in us. And so, yes, this is how we come to Christ and we experience Him, but this is how we continue to experience Him and continue to pursue Him. We find that joy and then we fight for it. We find that joy and we continue to lay hold of it. We find that joy and we continue to seek after it. And in doing so, We'll forsake it. We'll forsake this world. Our heart will begin to be shaped that we're saying, I don't want this world and the treasures of this world or the pleasures of this world. Oh, yes, I, I do want them, but I don't. I want the treasures of the world to come. And you begin to find that your taste buds begin to change, your desires, your interests, the things 
of this world, that they should grow strangely dim and your desires for the things of Christ begin to grow radiant. And so what happens? You taste and see that the Lord is good. As you heard his word preached or read to you, that joy, hope, and peace that Christ brings you through his word, what does it do? It strengthens you to seek him all the more. And this is why Jesus tells his disciples in verse 12, I'm kind of bringing some other things into this. Look at what he says back in verse 12. This is our first sermon in the parables. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. What's he talking about? Finding the treasure. Finding the treasure of the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom, which is Christ. Christ is the mystery of the kingdom, the cross, the glories of Calvary. Jesus is the treasure. And as you come to know him, all you find out, oh, that knowledge that I have, more will be given. More will be given till I become a wealthy person. That's exactly what the Proverbs teach. Oh, that you will be more rich than any man on the world in the world. Of course, it's talking about the riches of wisdom and the knowledge of the God. And you will have true riches in heaven. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. When you come to know me, oh, this is just the beginning. What you have known right now is just the starting point of great abundance of riches to come. So what is this? This is a sanctification process, isn't it? This is the process by which you continually grow in the faith. You continue to grow in maturity in Christ. And you continue to grow to be more like Him. Because here's another principle the Scripture teaches us. We become like that which we worship. And we'll see the judgment here in just a second. What you worship, you become. You worship that which is destroyed, you will be given over to destruction. You worship that which gives life, and you will have eternal life. Jesus is the great pearl. And the more you see and the more you joyfully respond to Him, the more your heart will be shaped after His. And so while obedience is fueled by joy, we see that here, Jesus does give a warning though. He gives a warning to anyone who would set his heart upon the world. And that comes in this next parable, the parable of the net, the parable of, of fishing. It's very similar to the parable of the weeds we saw last week. In fact, it makes the very same point, but, uh, but I think in light of its placement, it's teaching us something about where our heart lies. Jesus gives us a warning, and he, he turns again to the theme of judgment, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and you see that again, again the kingdom of heaven is like, and it's linking it to the parables of the treasure, the parable of the pearl. Again, it's like this, but clearly a different theme. He likens it to fishermen drawing their nets upon a shore. In Haiti, I, I once experienced this. We were staying in a, in a beach house. It was one of the great places we got to stay. And there were fishermen boats. And one, one day, I saw the fishermen pulling up those nets all the way up to shore. And there were just all kinds of things in, the, in those nets. There was, there was fish, of course, but there were, there were like uh, stingrays. There were 
crabs hanging off, certainly things just caught in seaweed, and there were shells and, and other things, and there were just weird creatures that were coming out of it. And what did they do? Well, they grabbed the good fish, and they, and they began to put it in their bucket, and then what they do with the rest of the stuff? They dump it right back in the ocean. Well, Jesus is describing this phenomenon, and he says, this is another parable. This is how it will be at the end of the age. This is how it will be when all humanity is drawn up all humanity is drawn up upon the shore. In that day, the angels will come and they will be like fishermen who will separate the righteous from the unrighteous. And the evil ones will be thrown into the fires of hell. Now, Jesus has already made this point back in the parable of the weeds. You can just look at that in verses 37 through um, 43. But why is he repeating this? Because he's wanting to distinguish, I think, and keep the, the joy theme in mind. What, what differentiates the righteous from the unrighteous? The difference is where their joy lies. The difference lies in their joy. Many may be presented with the incomparable joy of the kingdom that you, you are right now. And then reject it for the fleeting pleasures of this world. Nope, I want my joy in something else. I saw that, I don't want it. I will pursue the things of this world. And Jesus reminds us that that, that will not bring joy. That will bring everlasting sorrow. And here in these short parables, but yet there's depths to them, aren't there? We can kind of think back to even to the, the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You just see just a vivid imagery of longing, finding your joy in the righteousness of the kingdom. They will be satisfied. Or when Jesus reminds us, do not become overwhelmed by the anxieties of this world, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Or when Jesus tells us, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where a thief can break in and steal, but rather store up for yourselves in tre treasure in heaven. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you have given yourself over to that which is corruptible, well, it will lead your life into corruption. But if you will lay hold of the treasure and set your heart upon that treasure, the treasure of Christ, oh, it will bring you to life and abundance of blessing and eternal life. This is what Jesus wants us to see. And so having this hope, Jesus concludes by calling us then to treasure the kingdom. To treasure the kingdom. See, it's only after spending time with Jesus that true understanding of his kingdom is given. And, and if you've been following Jesus for some time, you can look back and say, oh, wow, I remember when I read the scriptures at this point, I knew nothing, but I was grabbing golden nuggets. But yet it seems as if I, I, re, I come over old terrain, but yet now there's new treasures to be found. See, it's only after spending time with Jesus, patience, seeking, diligence, that true understanding of his kingdom is given. And this is what occurs with the disciples here in 51 and 52. They now understand. <laughs> At least they say they do. We understand all these things. 
And what we find is that understanding comes from Jesus' words. Understanding comes from seeking Him. Understanding comes from the Word of Christ. And so Jesus then likens His disciples to scribes, which is, is actually kind of fascinating because scribes are always the bad guys in the book. In the Gospel, the scribes are the bad guys. Your, your Bible might have teachers of the law. These are the ones that are going to test Jesus. But Jesus says, no, 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 you're going to be my scribes. Scribes were scholars. They were teachers. They were the ones who were to supposedly know the Scriptures. And Jesus says, no, you're going to be a scribe who's been trained in the school of the kingdom. You're going to be discipled by me. And you're going to be my scribes. What an what a incredible distinct, uh, title to be given to us as disciples. And what does that mean? As we've been trained under the, the tutelage of Christ, what, what happens? We are given the wisdom of God. That's what scribes were known. They were wise men. They were the ones who could tell you the, the things of God. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The ones who have sat with me are the ones who have true wisdom, who know the things of God, who can speak of the mysteries of the kingdom. See, this is what Paul says in Colossians. He says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of God. In Christ, all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. And so you can just see, oh my, maybe Paul was meditating on these sayings of Jesus and understanding that he is the treasure, the one who contains all the wisdom and the riches and he knows that as Jesus is that great treasure, he's the one who grants everlasting joy. Because we can't exhaust this treasure. That's why the pearl, he doesn't need any other pearls because this one satisfies all his longings forevermore. No more searching has to be done. I have found what I am looking for. And so what I want to press into you is if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if you have found Him, if you have come to Him, treasure Him, ponder Him, meditate on Him. Because the more we treasure Him, the more we'll actually understand His great love. The more we savor Him, the more we will taste His great mercy. The more we cherish Him, the more we will see His great splendor. The more we revere Him. Oh, the more we will stand in awe of His great wisdom. To Him who is given, more will be given. And He will have an abundance. He's the treasure that you want to mine time and time and time again. And it is in this way that Jesus says your hearts will be transformed. Your lives will be changed. And he, and he then gives a parable just for us. And he says, you'll be like a master of a wealthy estate. That's what he's getting at. A master of a house. A house full of treasures. Well, what's your treasure? It's your heart, right? Your house is who you are. It's your home. It's your person. It's like the man who built his house upon the rock versus the man who built his house upon the sand. You are the rich man, not the poor man and you will be one who has great riches, able to bring out of your heart things new and old. 
What, what an interesting picture here. Jesus paints here this picture of, of himself as our treasure. And from our heart is going to flow the abundance of riches, both new and old. That is, and this is what I think this means, this is actually a very difficult text, but very hard. I'd been nice to have one of those explanations of the parable. But he's trusting that we have now taken the other parables and we can kind of discern what's going on here. This is what I think he means, that by being a disciple of the kingdom and mining the endless treasures of Christ, you will be able to draw out from Christ endless insight, endless wisdom from Him, both from the Old Covenant, think about the Old Testament Scriptures, and the New Covenant, and for us the New Testament Scriptures, and you will behold Him in new ways. Endless mining can happen in this textbook. And not only will you discover endless wisdom, endless insights from Him, from both the old and new, He will then begin to give you the mind of Christ affecting every aspect of your life. The Word will be a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet, guiding you and directing you, and you will be able to make sense of this world and what is justice and what is equity. You will be like Proverbs 2. The son who obtains wisdom, and we now know who he is. That text is given new life because we've met Christ. Oh, who is the wisdom that I must seek like silver and like hidden treasure? Well, Jesus has just told us. He is the treasure. He is the wisdom. And so Christ is the wisdom of God who gives us understanding of justice and equity. He will watch over all of our ways. He will come into our heart. And the knowledge of Him, as, the, as Proverbs 2 says, will be pleasant to our souls. He will lead us in the way of what is good and keep us on the path of righteousness and lead us to inhabit the land of promise. But you must seek Him. You must respond to Him. And you must treasure You see that? See, in Christ all things are made new. All things are made new. And yes, if you have come to Christ, He says you are a new creation. You're a new creation. He has washed you of all of your sins. He has united you, your, uh, your life to His. But here's what I want you to think. Do not think that somehow you have exhausted His riches because you know those facts. Oh, that Jesus died for me. What a glorious truth. But that's just the beginning. These things are the first fruits of the riches that are awaiting us. What, what we are experiencing now does not compare to the eternal weight of glory to be revealed in us or for us when Jesus returns. And so where I want to beg you, if you don't know Christ, come to Him. You've been implored by Him, invited by Him to seek Him and know Him. Let us know, oakparkbaptist.com slash connect card. Let us know, I want to know Christ. We'd love to open up the scriptures with you and talk more about that. But even if you do know Christ, and I want to implore you, continue to seek Him. Continue to respond to Him. Continue to treasure Him. Continue to taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Oh, Lord.
you are good. You are a wealth of treasure to us. Oh, we see the treasures of your love, your mercy, your grace, your kindness, your promises, your hope, your peace. All the characteristics of, of your glorious kingdom are perfectly displayed in you, Jesus. And we meet you in your word. Lord, please give us joy that produces a lifelong obedience. The obedience of faith. And Lord, we would seek you and find you when we seek you with all of our heart. And you will appear that day. And you will bring us into your glorious dwelling place. And you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. We long for that day, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.